This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. U G L Y. You ain't got no alibi. You ugly. Yeah, 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 you ugly. Woo! Sources tell me that's how Mike Tomlin has been leading his meetings all week as far as how the Steelers have to win these last two football games. In cheerleader cheer form? Yes, exactly. Terry Bradshaw was right when he called him a cheerleader. No, I'm just kidding. You got to win ugly, though. How many times have the Steelers shown us this year that the way that they win football games is by ugh, looking like crap out there for 60 minutes and squeaking by with more points than the opponent? Tom, we went over this a couple of episodes ago. There is no clean from end-to-end win blowout or just comfortable lead for a full 60-minute win on the Steelers' schedule this year. No. They not can't once. do it. Not once. They're not capable of doing it. And I'll even so go you say one, how often? Every time. I'll even go one step further and say they haven't had a win where it's been, oh, four touchdowns from the offense, and it's just a straight-up football game that ends 28-24 to 24 or something like that. It's always ugly when they win these games. Yeah, they've had games like that where it's been a kind of a high-scoring affair, but the Steelers have been down in those games mm. by a mountain's height of a of an of a deficit you have to scale mount everest to come back into the game it's and everestian of, of course you fall up short of course you're not going to be able to complete that comeback it, it was too dire to begin with that vikings game wasn't it going to be the biggest comeback in the history of the nfl in the regular season I if they so. completed it like you can't put yourself in those positions i mean so, we know we know the fourth quarter effort against the chargers was the most points that team has ever scored in the fourth quarter Ever. And you lose. This franchise is 80-plus years old, and it's the most they've ever scored, and they still lose. So the time you're playing exciting football and putting up points, and the nation at large is watching and going, this is a fun football game to watch, mm-hmm. you come up short and you lose those games. And, oh, by the way, it took you like 45 minutes to actually start to kick it into gear and start playing some entertaining, fun football. I don't care about none of all that, though. I just mm. want to win football games. I don't understand when people are like, Ugh, the Steelers just, they're not an entertaining football team. Like, they're just not fun to watch. Who gives a bleep? If you win the football game, I don't care if you're fun to watch or not. You, and the only way feeling, the Steelers win these games this year is when they're not fun to watch. Your feeling after a loss versus a win indicates everything about how you actually feel. Don't talk to me about fun or not. Right. If your team wins, you're feeling like you're on top of the world for the next six, seven days, however long it takes for your team to take the field the next time. Right? Exactly. I mean, that's what we play. That's what they say. We play to win the game, mm-hmm. right? That's what they do. doesn't so. matter how you get there. Exactly. They don't ask you how. They ask you how many. I'm going to fit so many cliches into this episode. Yeah, I'm so are. excited. You're a little mini Tomlin today. I just don't understand why it's a big deal to win ugly. And people in the know know it's not a big deal. I mean, they know you've got to figure out a way to win as many games as possible. Bill Belichick ran the ball 80 billion times against the Bills on Monday Night Football to win a football game. You think he was concerned about, oh, they're going to talk on first take about how that's ruining the sport of football and blah. Uh, it, our it, Monday it's Night getting football, back to its roots. Our but, Monday yeah, Night Football it, game was robbed from us because we just had to watch run after run after run like it's the 1940s and it's Navy versus Army out there. It's like they don't care about that. Tomlin's cut from that same cloth. He doesn't give a crap about what you guys think. Make this game ugly. Unfortunately, against the Chiefs, you couldn't was, do that from the beginning. It was because ugly. They got on you from the start. Ugly. You weren't going to make that offense ugly. The Browns do a good enough job of making their own offense ugly, though. So, therefore, I think the Steelers have a much better shot of 
making things difficult for them on offense and making this game look a lot like that first game against Cleveland mm-hmm. on Halloween, which was ugly. It was ugly, and it was the last time I felt, um, no, I, I don't know. The Baltimore game felt really Was that good. the last good team the Steelers beat? No, Baltimore. Baltimore with, with Lamar. Lamar. Yeah. If, if it's Tyler Huntley or Josh Johnson out there, you're obviously feeling a lot worse about but it. But you don't feel that strong about the Titans win, right? I don't know, Tom. You left them out of your power rankings, correct? Here's why I don't feel that strong about the Titans win. Maybe not because the Titans are a worse team without Derrick Henry. They also didn't have A.J. Brown in that game, which is a huge, huge You're right, difference. and we remember that Julio Jones went down yeah. very early. His first game held without a catch to end his NFL uh, record streak there. But, yeah, it was a totally different offense yeah, than I mean, they, what it could have They been. won the game against the Niners because of A.J. Brown. That was the only right. thing they had going right. for that them That combat catch he had early on set the tone for and him. They threw for the four, the they had four turnovers against the Steelers, and the Steelers still barely won the game. So I, Again, I feel- I'll say that I'll, I'll go to my grave saying this. If those turnovers happen you know, in, 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 in Steelers territory rather than Titans, Titans win that game. They're not going to drive down the field and put it in for points uh-uh. off of those turnovers. They didn't. They barely Tom, did anyway. They did not. They didn't move the ball any of those. Four, I think of those four times, they didn't move the ball three times. Of those three times they didn't, they went three and out twice. That's just what they do. So you can't even chuck it up to saying, oh, they were just slow starts, but look, they got field goals down. No. No. If the Titans punt the ball, if that turnover comes in a less than optimal field position than you already had when you got it, then you're not scoring those field goals. Chris Boswell ain't hitting clutch field goal at the field after field goal for you. Here's what happens in the steel the scores for the Steelers wins this year. Buffalo 23 to 16. And remember, blocked punt in that game. So a little skewed there. It's an ugly score. Something it's like, a low scoring uh, score. Uh, something like that always kind of if it's a low scoring game, wins that game for you. Absolutely. And that's what happened. 27 and 19 against Denver. A little bit more going on there, but they sputtered down the stretch. They that sputtered game, and it took a James Pierre interception in the end zone to win that game. 23 to 20 against Seattle. TJ Watt had to win that game for the Steelers. Goes to overtime with Geno Smith at quarterback. 15 to 10 against the Browns. Disgusting game to watch. Gross, but it felt good because yeah, of course it your was a, defense a, held up. Of course, it felt good. You won the game, baby. right? But but it felt good also because your defense actually went up against a decent offense, and you only allowed ten points, especially against Nick Chubb. And then that was kind of the coming out party for Pat Fryermuth. Bears twenty nine to twenty seven Monday night. This football. felt horrible. This did not feel good. Felt, it felt good because you got felt the good win for a little bit, and then it started to, as it always does, unravel a little bit. I mean, the, I think then... I don't know exactly what the score was at one point. I think you they were up. The Steelers were up twenty to six. It was fourteen to three at halftime. Twenty to six going into the fourth 20 quarter. Twenty to six into the fourth. So it felt really good at that point. It felt like you were in control. But it did not feel good by the end of the game. Then you tie the line, sixteen to sixteen. Nothing gets uglier. Is than that, that the low point of the season? Yes. Is that the low point, or is the forty-one to ten loss? They're eight and six right now without, or they're eight and seven right now without that loss or without that tie. I get it, me. but in terms of crushing moral defeats, because that's not a certainly not a moral win, right? If you tie the Chiefs, the only different story. the only other one I can point to in that ilk is the Raiders earlier this year because they just proved to again be just a very average team. But so are the Steelers. They're very equal, honestly, especially record-wise. Oh, they really I'm not are. upset about. I mean, yeah, it sucks to look back and say, "How could you lose to the Raiders?" But at that's home? the only one I look at, and I'm like, "Well, that's one they could have gotten." Especially after I see how the Bengals are this year. 
That's just a bad matchup for the Steelers, the Bengals. There's just too much yeah, speed I mean, on that offense. To, I asked, which is the low point for you, the Lions or the Bengals lost? The Lions tie, because the Bengals are good. So I can talk myself into getting but blown out by good teams. But to lose 41-10. to 10. I can talk myself into getting blown out by good teams. I can't That's talk fine, myself into tying the Lions. It's the, I, Although, I, I get Ben had teams. COVID, so I, maybe I can talk myself into that. I get good teams, but when you have spent the last... 17 years, 18 years beating up on the Bengals, it felt really bad. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it's a it's weird, weird spot to be in. It's a weird uh, team to lose to that that badly. Ravens 20 to 19 and then Titans 19 to 13. I mean, folks, it's so obvious what needs to happen. You need to play great lights out defense. You need to force some turnovers. You need to sack the quarterback. You need to put the ball in the end zone just a couple times on offense and you cannot. And this is the biggest key of all and this is one of many reasons, but maybe the biggest reason that they got crushed last week, you cannot turn the ball over with the current state of this team. What happened when the Steelers had four turnovers gifted to them? They won the they game, against, game against a better team. What happened when they lost a turnover battle to Kansas City? They got three to nothing. Slaughtered. Yep. Especially when you lose it as badly as you do where... You give up a touchdown on a great drive for Chiefs to open up, but that's fine. They're going to score points. So when it's 7 nothing, no one should be surprised at him. You knew that that was going to be the case at one point. The very next play, you run a flea flicker, and you get intercepted, and you give the ball right back to them. Another easy touchdown, and it's 14 nothing out of nowhere. I'm not saying that it wouldn't have been 14 to nothing if the Steelers would have just done you know, a couple plays here or there. Maybe they get a first down, and then they punt. But at least you're slowing the game down a little bit, and at least you're making the Chiefs earn their way up the field. Mm-hmm. And who knows? Maybe you force a fumble. Maybe you get an interception on Mahomes if he has to run a couple more plays. Maybe they stall out if they don't have as short of a field, mm-hmm. and they only kick a field goal there. And then it's 10 nothing, and you can start to reevaluate and kind of settle in. But when you just turn the ball over so quickly like that right after they score, I mean, you're tempting fate right there. Absolutely. You know, I, you can't even call it tempting fate. Poking the bear, mind you? No, I would just say you're, I don't want to say giving up, but you're essentially, you're giving your, you're giving the other team a, a, a clear path to victory, right? I don't want to say poking the bear or what was the other term you used? Tempting fate. Tempting fate, because I think at that point, fate has already been set for you. Right? Does does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Like you're not tempting it. It's it's been tempted, and it's done. It's made up its mind. So they got to win ugly against the Browns. They got to make this Browns offense really just gross looking and have a tough tough day at the office. Make the Browns offense look like your offense looks like. Bring them down to your level and then beat them with experience. That's what I would do if I was the Steelers. The only way you do that though, is by stopping Nick Chubb. And that is a lot easier said than done, although the Steelers did do that earlier in this season. Two times in one calendar year, stopping a beast like that when your defensive rushing, uh, your rushing defense has been the worst in the NFL recently, second worst mm-hmm. in the NFL overall for the year. I don't know. I just don't know how I feel about that. I, I, I didn't think it was going to happen the first time. I was telling everybody I could to take the over on Nick Chubb rushing yards, and I proved out to be an idiot because he only rushed for, what was that in that? 61 yards yeah. on 16 carries, 3.8 average. They held the Browns to under 100 yards rushing. Last time that happened for just, the Steelers team. I just, I just don't think it's going to happen. 
Another thing you got to think about with that, though, that number, Jacob, 96 uh, rushing yards, mm-hmm. 23 attempts, 4.2 average. So they gained 4.2 yards per gain. They passed the ball 35 times. Baker Mayfield was 20 for 31, and then he got sacked on four dropbacks as well. So 35 passes to 23 runs against the Steelers? Huh? When you have Nick Chubb? What? Does it remind you? Kevin Stefanski you, could blow this game. Kevin Stefanski is a little Mike Tomlin Jr. in that fashion no. where he kind of just he strays away from what he's supposed to. Or maybe Matt Canada. I don't know is about a better, Mike Tomlin. Maybe Matt Canada? I think Mike Tomlin would run and run and run and run and run. Really? If he, if he had his way. Oh, really? Just think about it. Like, oh, really? Yeah, I do. So you're saying if the head coach had his way. So you're saying someone is standing in the head coach's way making a play call. Yeah, it's the offensive line. He knows mm. he can't run the ball. How, how? Okay, so Najee Harris is going to eclipse a thousand, a thousand yards, yards in this game. In this game, yeah. he'll eclipse five hundred receiving yards by the end of the year. Yes. How? What are those numbers if he has the Browns' offensive line? Ooh. Well, that's a great question because he would have stayed healthier than Chubb because he's younger. Because he's when he hasn't gone hurt yet this right. year. The, fa- the only thing that would be detriment to him is then the was the play taking calling. the ball out of his hands. Mm-hmm. Fair. I bet he'd be around Nick Chubb numbers. I bet he'd be right around there. Maybe a little bit more just because he's played in a couple more games. Just you assume that he didn't get hurt, whereas Chubb has struggled with some injuries this year. But yeah, I think you put Najee behind any offensive line where there's an elite running <laughs> right, back. Right, it doesn't even need to be. Put him behind the Colts offensive line. Oh, put him behind God. the Vikings offensive line. Put him behind any of those great rushing teams. Buccaneers offensive line when they get going with playoff Cincinnati's. Line. Cincinnati's. He'd be doing just as well as the Mixons, the Cooks. Maybe not as the Jonathan Taylors because he's a freak. But he'd be close to Jonathan Taylor. He'd, be, he'd already have 1,000 yards. Mm-hmm. He'd be doing just as well. He's that kind of a back. It's not him that's the problem. No, it's certainly not yeah. him. But... That's the unfortunate thing about the Steelers season is that the biggest detriment to it is the battle up front. And, you know, that goes on both offense and defense. But right, right now we're talking about the offensive we're talk- line. And, well, really we were talking about the defense, though, because you got to figure out a way to stop them again. I, I don't think Stefanski is going to rush or pass the ball um, – 12 more times than he rushed the ball, just like he did in the last game. I think you got to learn from your mistakes, and I think he's a young coach that seems to be a pretty good coach, pretty good offensive mind. you got to be able to learn and grow once you get to that head coach position and realize, I'm not an offensive coordinator anymore. Mm-hmm. I have to do what's in the best interest of my team, not so much what I think is the best thing to do right now as far as, oh, I'm a great play caller. I can scheme guys open. Even when they think I'm going to run, I can throw the pass on them and I can be successful because no matter who I have, Baker's hurt, hasn't been playing well this mm-hmm. year, don't have really any wide receiver threats anymore, got a couple tight ends who aren't necessarily in their prime yet but are pretty good, I can scheme these guys open and beat them through the air when everybody thinks I need to beat them on the ground. Got to be able to get that out of your system now and just be like, I don't give a crap what our offense looks like. If we're in the power eye and 13 personnel with three tight ends on the field, 24-7 out there on Sunday against the Steelers, but it's ripping off five yards per carry every time, I will do that all game long. I'm very interested to see if we see that growth from Stefanski. Just from a personal fan perspective of the NFL and watching this young head coach try to develop coach of the year last year. Let's see if he can take he that was. next step now. Maybe maybe swallow that ego a little bit. Don't think you're the smartest guy in the room. 
Just do what you say all the time, Jacob, and kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. So my, what's holding me back from saying that Kevin Savanson can grow from this is I think he's a little too young, and I think his team around him is a little too young. There's not really a big veteran presence on there. Like when Tomlin came in, Tomlin had veterans, right? And he had veterans in his coaching staff, a la Dick LeBeau. Right, and it's tough when you do that because you have to immediately earn those veterans' respect. Sure, but Tomlin I think did he that did. masterfully. Yes, Stefanski. I don't know if he's cut from that cloth, but you're right. There is no one there anyway to even see if that could be the case. Right, and so I think that's why I I I, I hesitate when giving them that benefit of the doubt. I can understand that. I mean, who's their leaders? Baker and Miles Garrett, right? Yeah, so let's or, see. Uh, maybe Anthony Walker, who's 26, he's been a linebacker Baker, for a while. Baker, who's more concerned about getting on progressive commercials than he is anything else. And Miles Garrett, who tried to decapitate Mason Rudolph on, on national TV. I'd say I'd say Jarvis Landry, pretty veteran presence, although he spent, but he's he spent done, early parts he of his career. He does so with, little. And he spent early parts of his career with a completely different team. And he does so little, Tom this year that you can't call you can call yourself a veteran but if you want to be a veteran presence you have to do a little bit more more for your team and also too how you mentioned he comes from a different team that's all high and well but when i think about a veteran changing teams i look at it as he's coming over for a purpose to lead the team when jarvis landry came over it wasn't to lead the team it was just to get a change of scene for Miami because he wasn't happy there. Yeah, I mean, they don't have anybody, really. But I think that's part of what was so attractive about the Browns. Completely building from the ground up. This is mm-hmm. a whole complete rebuild. And you were supposed to have the early years where you kind of, you know, you stubbed your toe every once in a while. We're kind of seeing it with the Bengals right now this year. Although they're, they're ahead of schedule, to be quite honest, still. The fact that they're going to win the North this year most likely is phenomenal for them. Because I don't know. I don't know a single person that could have predicted. No, that. because it's phenomenal for them. Because I think they're going to be better next year, and I think they're going to be better the next year. Like they're really building something nice there in Cincinnati, and that's kind of what Cleveland was expecting for them. I think what happened was everything is is in place. I mean, they get the number one receiver in Odell, mm-hmm. same as Jamar. They got their Jamar Chase. They got their defense. They add guys like Peoples Jones and uh, and um, I keep forgetting his name, Jarvis Landry to supplement Odell Beckham Jr. And, and have good options like a Boyd and a Higgins. Not to say that those two are as good as Boyd and Higgins. But I mean, you, they have their own Higgins. You know what I mean, though. They're, they do have their own Higgins. They're, you know what I'm saying, though. That nice balance in the receiving game. Then you have the really good running back in Chubb, and they had Mixon. Then you build that defense up after you get that. They just missed on their number one overall pick quarterback. Yeah. Baker Mayfield ain't even close to what Joe Burrow is. And Baker the, the Mayfield's the reason is, thing... The, He's got to be the reason they're seven and eight right now. It's on. It's number six. The tough thing is, you can't put Lamar in that class because every single NFL team except for the Ravens passed on Lamar. So I'm not going to include him in that. No, these two are comparable because they're both number one overall picks, Baker and and Burrow. Right, but Lamar got with, looked with over with by with, with the Browns. It's very clear of that quarterback class of Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield. There was only one guy. You could hit on Josh Rosen. Right. Yeah. <laughs> is that guy even in the National Football League anymore? I don't. He's got to be on a practice squad somewhere. I think a he popped, practice up, squad, he popped maybe. up on a Falcons game, I think, earlier this year. Oh, he did. And yeah. he had two back to back interceptions, I believe. That's against the Patriots, right? So they. But, 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 but that's the problem is that for the 
the Bengals may have just gotten luckier because it was so clear and obvious Joe Burrow is the guy you got to take. With the Browns having the number one overall pick, there was debate because they had not just one, but they had the number one and the number four overall pick. That's right. They got so Denzel Ward taken, with number four. Right. They could have taken Denzel Ward at number one or Saquon Barkley at number one. That's and then wait. Done. We I, I still Although don't know. it worked how, out with Chubb. But. Of course it did. But still, you could have guaranteed yourself two good players in that first round. And I think you wait because there were four guys available to you. There was no clear Joe Burrow. There was no clear Trevor Lawrence like there was this past year where there's a number there's a couple guys out there but there's one guy you got to get if he's there. Like the the Chargers I think got lucky. Right? Justin Herbert, no one expected him based off of his career at Oregon to have this level of success in his individual game. Now the Chargers aren't fantastic overall. It was Burrow and Tua. I mean, well, first exactly. it was Tua, and then it, and was, then Burrow, it was Burrow, and then it was them both. But and then, then also Jalen Hurts got thrown in there in the mix somewhere. But I think is a good pick, huh? Could, I, yeah, that, him him in the second round, really good pick by the Eagles. But anyways, the Browns, I, I think the Bengals just got lucky to be bad at the time that they were really, really bad because and did, and it, it was, was it was so obvious to take Joe Burrow, whereas the Browns, there was a group of guys you could have taken, plus you had two picks, so you really stressed like if I can't get him here. At least I can make it up for it and, and and pick four, which they do with Denzel Ward. And you didn't even know Joe Burrow was coming. Like you could, it no, wasn't it wasn't like no. a Trevor Lawrence kind of situation. At where the it's time like, that Baker Mayfield was drafted, Joe Burrow was playing at Ohio State. Not playing, not playing, but on he Ohio was on State. Ohio State's roster, yeah. So they couldn't even have this like tank for Tua. It was tank Mm-mm. for Tua that year. It wasn't tank for Joe. They couldn't have those moments. It wasn't like Trevor Lawrence where you're like, okay, in two years the next guy's coming out. So it was. Just I get what you're saying with that luck where like it kind of just fell in the place where they couldn't plan a tank, but they just happened to be the worst team in the NFL that I year. I mean, they were the worst in the NFL the past two years. And then they grab Joe Burrow and they get lucky. But you're right about Baker Mayfield. No, I'm like, sorry, the Brown I was talking about the Browns, because that was the year that where they went one and fifteen, then oh and sixteen. So you look at the quarterbacks and it's like, okay, Baker Mayfield, Oklahoma, Heisman Trophy, got to the college football playoff. Josh Rosen, UCLA, okay, pedigree still, but we're taking a step back. Josh Allen, Wyoming, totally raw, have no idea how he's going to react to stepping up to a major level of competition after playing at Wyoming. And then Lamar Jackson, Louisville, not the greatest Mm -hmm. school, but a Heisman winner. Heisman winner from, what, two years before that? Because Baker had won it the year before. But also one of the more unconventional Sure. You know, new prototype type of quarterback that scared a lot of people. I mean, so of the, course the, Baker the, seemed to be the safe pick, and they went with the safe pick. People and it bit for, them. People forget the drop off of Lamar from his Heisman season in Louisville to the next year when Baker Mayfield won it. Right? No one was talking about Lamar. It was like he he just didn't exist in the college football world. It was all about it was all about Baker and the other quarterbacks. It was as if Lamar had already got drafted. He was so he he, he was just so left out of conversations. So keeping with this theme, what do you do with Baker Mayfield if you're the Browns this offseason? Do you sign him? Well, obviously as a Steeler fan, you want the Browns to sign him. But all, I think the entire you have, conference I think wants you, him to sign him. I think you have to sign him because is Baker Mayf I mean, he's gonna ask for some money, but Maybe, I don't know, it's tough because 
do you not sign him and say you're not much better than the average quarterback who's on a carousel of teams every year after year? Or do I just sign for a lot cheaper Case Keenum and say this is basically the same guy? I think, see, it's not Case Keenum. That's not the route you need to go. If I'm the Browns, I sack up. I go get a Wilson and I go and get a Rodgers. I get, oh, I get of one course, of those Of course, but is is Cleveland going to do that? I don't know, but I spend as many picks as I can because that roster's pretty filled out already. It just needs that guy. And if you get a Russ Wilson, who I think might be easier to pry away than Aaron Rodgers all of a sudden now, I think Aaron Rodgers might stay in Green Bay. You've been saying that for the past couple of weeks, and I don't know what's giving you that indication because – I think he. I think it was pretty clear that he was willing to come back one more year. What's the best spot it. for him next year? Probably Cleveland, if not Green Bay. Other than Green Bay, it might be Cleveland, but it's Green Bay. You know what else it could be? New Orleans. I still think Green Bay's better because they still have that. I mean, you don't know what Michael Thomas is going to be. You know, Devontae Adams is there. Okay, I'm sorry. Who before Devontae Adams? Who were the receivers? Aaron Rodgers was. Throwing to as he was winning MVPs. Right, but you don't want to walk away from Devontae Adams once you have okay, him. Okay, what, what? So you're going to say, you know, I'd rather stay with Devontae Adams and say poo poo to Alvin Kamara? But you already have Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, too. You're so telling you me A.J. Dillon and, and the combination of Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon is better than or equal to the talents of Alvin Kamara? When I have Devontae Adams as well, yeah. I got more weapons on the offense than I have now and a better offensive line who's going to get healthier, who's been really injured this year, by you're the right. way. I don't know. Their defense is getting really good in Green Bay. I digress. I think Cleveland is is absolutely an option, though, for these Who's a better coach, Sean Payton or Matt LaFleur? Sean Payton. But maybe Sean Payton and Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, you never, with with Aaron Rodgers, you never know what he's going to do with the head coach. But back to the original point. Cleveland, of, of course, has a full roster. They, they have the defense, they have the O line, they have the offensive weapons. I mean, who knows? Maybe Jarvis Landry is a Devontae Adams and waiting. He's just yeah, had. He just needs the who was his quarterback? It was Ryan Tannehill with with a horrible. Uh, wasn't it Matt Gase? Uh, I don't think Adam Gase was there. Adam Gase, sorry. I'm not sure about that. I thought it was because he was yeah, in Miami was. and then he went yeah, to New York and people were saying, well, Adam Gase is this quarterback killer. Yeah, he was. And then he went to Tennessee and he was fine. So maybe he had Adam Gase as his as his quarterback's head coach in Miami. Then he had Baker Mayfield here. And if he gets Aaron Rodgers, who knows how good Jarvis Landry could be. Right. I'm sure he would be elevated some. But, yeah, from the Browns, that's just the strategy I go with next year in this offseason. As I go all in for a whale, I get a big-time quarterback to come in here, and I just tell Baker, hey, pal, sorry, not sorry. You're going to have to go somewhere else and try to catch on because it's just not working out in Cleveland. But that's a good news for the Steelers and – that's why if you stop Nick Chubb on Sunday and you force the ball into Baker's hands, I'm really confident that you can come away with a victory. But if Chubb's just going to run wild, brother, and if Stefanski keeps running the football, brother. I just have no confidence that the Steelers are going to be able to squeeze this one out. I love how I'm sitting on the fence right there, but like, that's what my prediction is. If the Browns can run the ball, there's no way the Steelers win. If the Steelers force the Browns to pass, they have a really good shot of pulling off an upset at home. Yeah, they do. And I just don't know if I have the faith in either team, right? It's not just the faith. I don't have the faith in the Steelers' rush defense to stop Chubb. I have an inkling that Stefanski's going to throw the ball more than he should. That's the problem, is that there is a clear path for both of these teams to winning, and I don't know if either team is going to take 
is going to see that clearly enough for them to take advantage of it. I don't think so either. And I think it's going to be an ugly game. Beautiful. That's exactly what I want. That's exactly I think what it's the Steelers be a really want. Really ugly. Game. That's exactly what the Steelers want. <laughs> I want double middle fingers to the national audience outside of Cleveland and Pittsburgh for forcing them to watch on the last Monday night football game of the season just a terrible terrible football game that's so boring for everybody other than those two markets but hopefully the Steelers come away with a massive victory that will keep them alive just one more week because I think the chart the, the Bengals will lose to the Chiefs in potentially a close game but your pulse would still be beeping for one more week into Baltimore and that last game of the year will mean something which you want to go to the playoffs but as long as that last game of the year means something that means your season was entertaining all the way up mm-hmm. to the finish. So beat the Browns and earn that Week 18 matchup against the Ravens with some stakes. That's going to do it for this episode of the Steelers Standard. Always appreciate you guys giving us a listen. We'll keep breaking down Steelers and Browns on later episodes, so keep it right here. Make sure you're listening to those. For Jacob Brecht, I'm Tom Offerman. As always, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time.